I spent a lot of money and I don't know where it came from. It wasn't like selling drugs or anything. Hi, and welcome to Don't Make It Weird, a podcast about money. My name's Dominique Dove, and I'm so excited that you're listening to my very first ever podcast. I wanted to create this podcast because the older that I get, the more I realize that people in the world are really weird about money. Think about it. When's the last time you sat down with someone you actually knew and had a meaningful conversation about money? Not just about needing money or complaining about your job, but actually talking about what you think about money, how money affects your life, and just all those deep feelings that go along with our experience of money. Probably not very recently. I find that to be pretty strange, seeing that money is something that all of us use every day just as a tool to navigate life. Personally, I'm a little bit of a personal finance junkie, so I read a ton of blogs and listen to podcasts about money all the time, but a lot of them cover money advice, investment advice, budgeting, what to do with that, and I realized a lot of them don't cover the actual human stories behind money, how we make money, what we do with money, and especially how we feel about money. So I started having some of those conversations on my own with my friends and family. And as I've sat down and started to have some of these conversations with the people that are close to me in my life, I realized that everyone approaches money in a little bit of a different way. And a lot of that comes from how we deal with money growing up, what we learn about money, how we make our money, and all those things really do reflect back on who we are as people. So today, for my first Don't Make It Weird conversation, I'm interviewing Adam Dove, who's my wonderful husband of two and a half years. And I chose to interview him first because we do talk about money often, but we never really get deep about it. We talk about how much money we have, the bills we have to pay, but when it comes to actually talking about what money was like growing up, or how we view ourselves through the lens of the money that we have or don't have, we tend to gloss over a lot of the details. I don't want to spoil too much of our conversation, so sit back and enjoy the very first episode of Don't Make It Weird. Welcome to my podcast, maybe. <laughs> Woo! So, um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. I'm Adam Dove. I'm your husband. So, we're going to talk about money today. Okay. I'm just kind of curious to know how you're feeling about this conversation. Um, I'm feeling good. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling like this is always my thing with money, which is like, I think everything's going to be fine. And then every conversation about money reveals how little I know. So I'm like, fine right now, but like a little bit nervous that this conversation is going to reveal like, I know nothing. That's good. I'm a little nervous too, because I've never recorded a podcast. Who do you talk to about money? You. Anybody else that you ever talk to about money? Let me quickly cycle through everyone I know. I do not talk to my family about money. I sometimes talk to my friends about money, but only in relation to troubles they're having. And that doesn't really count as a conversation. 
I feel like this isn't a question I have for a person, but a question I have for the world in general, which is like, why do we think it's such a bad idea to talk to people about money and or ask people about money? Like, it seems to be like generally accepted wisdom, quote unquote, that like, you shouldn't talk to your coworkers about how much money you make or how much money they make. That's rude. Or like, you shouldn't ask your older family members how much money they make. You shouldn't ask anyone how much money they make. Like, for some reason, we've decided that there's so much pride and personal identity wrapped up in the amount of money that someone makes that it's forcing everyone to make less money. And I feel very... How is it forcing everyone to make less money? Because... I mean, even just on the small scale by, like, coworkers not sharing their salary information, people don't know what raise it is appropriate to ask for. And then people accidentally lowball themselves because they have no point of reference and the system is set up that way. But also, it's not just that the system is set up that way, it's that somehow, as a culture, we've psychologically convinced everyone that no one should talk about money. But I don't think this is like, like, uh, like the Illuminati is not pulling our puppet strings here. Like this is a paradigm that our culture has enacted upon itself somehow consistently over time to make bringing up money in public worse than talking about religion, which I find very confusing because from all logical angles, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, there is nothing uncomfortable about talking about money. Logically. And yet everyone... Are you everyone... uncomfortable talking about money? No. I'm also not uncomfortable talking about most things. But, no, I'm not uncomfortable talking about money. Are you comfortable talking about money with everyone? I'm not comfortable talking about money with my parents... But not because I'm not comfortable, but because I perceive them as not being comfortable. Which, maybe that's what it is. Maybe everyone, the whole culture over is just in some weird stalemate where, like, no like, it's like that thing where, you know, I don't really want to go to that place to eat dinner and you don't really either, but we both think the other one does, so nobody brings it up and then we end up eating a meal together that we don't really like. Because nobody brought it up. Because everyone was uncomfortable that the other person might be uncomfortable. Like, I feel like maybe we're all just in that weird stalemate of, like, I don't feel uncomfortable, but I think you might feel uncomfortable, so I'm not going to bring it up. And then you not bringing it up makes the person you're talking to think that you feel uncomfortable, even though they don't feel uncomfortable, so then they don't bring it up. And it's just like a self-fulfilling feedback loop. I mean, I've had people tell me before that, they're uncomfortable, like, they don't want to answer that question, or they're uncomfortable talking about that, and okay. let's change the subject. Not saying that you have, I mean, just I personally have. Yeah, I never have. Do, and do you find you talk about money a lot? No. Not at all. Which, who knows, maybe that means I'm uncomfortable. Maybe it means I just avoid thinking about money at all possible Do you terms. talk about money at work ever? No. No. Okay. So I'm going to just start off by like almost pretending like I'm a doctor and you're at the doctor's office. I know that makes you nervous too. <laughs> Triggered. 
But um, just kind of asking you some questions to get a basic understanding of what's going on with your life when it comes to money. Okay. So just answer these questions to the best of your ability. Um, the first one shouldn't be too hard. How do you make your money? How do you acquire the money you use? Or I work at my job at Carnegie Mellon University. Okay. Plug. What do you do there? I do marketing and communications for the engineering school, which is mostly writing slash interviewing. Um, I get a monthly paycheck that I believe is the only way I make my money. And then I also have your money. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Which you make in a very similar way. Yeah. I think if we went to both of our jobs during the day and like... If you were an alien, you would see us doing basically the same thing. Yeah. Interviewing people, typing slapping on the computer. Our, slapping our little cat paws on the keyboard. Yeah, just the keyboard. Type, 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 type. What would you say is your, like, household income per month or per year? Oh, wow, this is cute if you don't know this. Uh, per year, per year. Oh, per year? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I need to do simple math. $97,000 a year? Yeah, about that. When you think about money, what feelings come to mind? Stress and also comfort. Why stress? Stress because I have no idea where all of my money is or what it's doing. Comfort because I know it's going to be fine. Because I trust you. <laughs> Good. I mean, that makes me happy as your wife. Like, yeah, you should feel comfort. Everything's but, fine. But God forbid you die. But I don't. You don't even know the passwords <laughs> to the bank account, baby. Now yes. I'm curious to know how much money is currently in your wallet. Currently in my you wallet. Just, do you have your wallet here with you? Wait, I want to guess, and then I want to get my wallet. Okay. I believe I have one hundred and three dollars in cash. Okay. And now I'm going to get it. Here we go. I can already tell that I'm wrong. One hundred. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One hundred and seven dollars. Okay. And a pile of receipts. Is that how much money is usually in your wallet? Not at all. I don't know why I'm still holding this hundred dollar bill. I think it was a Christmas present. Yeah, I know. No, it was. Uh, it was for my dad's birthday present. And my mom had to pay me back, so she paid me a $100 bill because she's a baller. Yes. And I never want to spend it because I never want to be that kind of person that's like, I only buy things in cash that are probably like 3 to $10. Yep. So it would always be like, hey, can you give me change for this? And then someone would have to give me like $97 in change at a coffee shop, and I don't want to be that. Yeah, same. And jerk. for that reason, I always think like, I wish there were a way to change money into smaller bills on your own without anyone looking at you. In like private? If, like if I could just cut it in half and then have two $50 bills. Yeah. Well, like with a pair of scissors. That's interesting. Why would you want, why would you want to do it by yourself instead of going somewhere else to have them break it for you? I, I mean, I guess I would be fine doing it at a bank. Yeah. But I always feel like, like I guess... Growing up, I only ever interacted with people who had no money. So to take out like a $100 bill and flash it around either made you an asshole or a target. 
Mm-hmm. So like to do that in a store or to like uh, like a barista or something to be like, here, do you have change for a hundred? You can just like feel all the eyes roll, I guess. I don't know. I've never actually really thought about that. Yeah. I think like... Money- what do you think other people, like people who are rolling their eyes, what do you think they would think? Like that I'm doing it on purpose. Like... Like, I walked in there with a $100 bill, not because I don't have access to smaller bills, but because I wanted to be the guy who was paying with a $100 bill. And that do you want to? No, I want to be actively the opposite of that guy. What is the opposite of that guy? I want to pay only in pennies. <laughs> Why? No, not not that, because that's also obnoxious. But I think I, I don't know. Like, you don't want to separate yourself from the people around you which is why i mean one of the many myriad reasons why all of our communities are like segregated by income level because like everyone wants to feel comfortable about the money they have on either end like they don't want to feel like they have more money than all the people around them and they don't want to feel like they have less money than all the people around them and to So not only to have a larger bill than everyone else around you, but to actively be taking it out and showing it off feels like you're putting everyone else down, maybe. I could probably count the number of $100 bills I've ever held in my hand on one hand. And that, like, including this one and in your wallet. And that includes the one that's currently in my wallet. <laughs> which is technically mine. Which is technically yours. But I let you hold the cash. <laughs> But well, I, we could deposit at the bank if it'll make you feel better. No, no. But, uh, Actually, it would kind of maybe it would make me feel better. That's how you deposit it at the ATM, and then you and take, then it you out take out like. There's your solution. Yeah, huh. we'll probably do that tonight. Gosh, that seems like such work. <laughs> but I feel like if we keep the hundred, I'm like in this mindset where if we keep that hundred dollar bill, we'll not spend it. Like we'll save it. But is that but a bad thing? But as soon as we break it into smaller bills, we'll we're gonna spend it tonight. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's kind of funny. I never thought about that. Okay, I'm kind of like interested in this idea about like segregating communities by money that you were talking about. What would you say your community is that you live in? It's interesting to answer this question because it depends on what you mean by community. Because, like, there's the immediate neighborhood that I was raised in, but we didn't really interact with any of our neighbors. So I would say in that neighborhood, it was like everyone was fairly the same economic status. I would say maybe my family was a little bit under everyone else, although... A lot of other people probably wouldn't have known that because we were in mountains of credit card debt. So maybe everyone else around us was also when we were all like digging ourselves into the same stupid hole. I don't know. But shout out to the suburbs. (laughs) Outside of that neighborhood, my school was a combination of 12 different districts that all got collapsed into one. Right. And each of a lot of the reason for that was one half, well, more like one fourth of the neighborhoods that went into that had districts that were doing well, and the other three fourths had all collapsed economically, mostly due to white flight. So they combined all of those into one district, which was my district, which meant that even though my family really didn't have much money or next to any money, 
compared to the rest of the people I went to school with, I was very much like in the upper tier of socioeconomic stati, stati which was a weird feeling that I don't think I ever like, like I never really noticed the water I was swimming in, you know? You're like automatically different from most people, especially since it was that whole one-fourth, three-fourths thing. It was like three-fourths of the people I went to school with lived in the literal ghetto, which was like, you know, a tree line away from my neighborhood, whereas the other one-fourth of the district lived in, like, comfortably in the lower to middle, middle class. What would you say is the community you are in now? That's also an interesting question, because you and I make a lot more money than everyone we hang out with, pretty much. Especially combined. Like, we have some friends who, like, are not married like we are. None of our friends are married like we are. And so they might make an income... Are they not married or are they not married like we are? No one's married like we are. <laughs> Wish I were kidding. Um, so they might have, like, one job that makes as much money as one of our jobs, but we're married, so we make as much money as two of our jobs. Um and then we have friends who not only live by themselves, but also make below the poverty line. And then we live in a community in which most of the people can't afford to pay their taxes. So it's like a very interesting... I mean, if you want me to just like start shouting, I feel like a gentrifier, I feel like a gentrifier. <laughs> Maybe there's gentrifier in my blood, like looking back. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my life white has... White Englishman... But it's like a lot... Colonizer? Vegan? A lot of my life has been spent, I think, navigating that weird relationship to money where a lot of people I know are much poorer than I am, but there are people that I know that and interact with on a daily basis that are also much richer than I am or come from places much richer than I do. So I feel like kind of a weird... Like I live in like a transient space between rich and poor and have been forced for a lot of my life to not live in the SES that I was born into, but either flex down to one or flex up to the other, depending on the situation. How now do you feel like you're flexing into places above or below your SES? Well, even just like... And it's funny because then here we're going to get into the crossover between SES and gender presentation, which is also an interesting thing for me. But like walking around my own neighborhood here where we live i've like millvale pennsylvania i need to change the way that i walk because i'm naturally a much more feminine person but if you walk feminine around lower income men you become a target which was a lesson that i learned in high school and so in high school i would flex down to a more masculine form of gender presentation because that matched the SES of the men that I was interacting with. And I feel the same way here in Millvale. I feel like the first actually nuanced conversation I had about money was with my sister. I was probably 14 and I was going out to a movie with someone. I'm sure there are parts of this memory that I'm fabricating. And I needed money to go to the movies because I didn't have a job. 
I asked my parents for money, and they gave it to me, and then... Do you remember how much money? It was probably, like, another $10. Yeah. Um, And then my sister stopped me. I don't remember if this was, like, before or afterwards. She, like, saved it up or something, but she was like, I can't believe you asked them for that money. I was like, why? Because, like the concept of that completely foreign to me. Like they are my parents. They will give me money. If I ask that as part of them being my parents. And she was like, you have no idea how poor we are. Do you? Also, a man will kill me for doing this voice. (laughs) Um, and I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, we're like actually poor, like, like potentially going to lose the house poor. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. And we have been the whole time. Like, the whole time what? Like, since before we were born. Since the dawn of time. Since the dawn of man. Um, and I, I think the story ends How did there. that make you feel, though? Do you remember how you felt in that moment? Ashamed. Not of the fact that we didn't have money, but of the fact that I had no idea and that I had asked them for money. And I think because of that... After that, I kind of stopped... I mean, not directly after that. Like, probably starting when I was, like, 17. I kind of stopped asking them for anything. Like, it kind of led to this, like, weird strain of individualism and independence in me. That I was like, I am going to spend all of my time out of the house. I am going to, like not ask for help when I need help. I am going to, like, try to be financially independent from my parents as early in my life as possible. I'm going to try to grow up a lot faster than maybe I should. Not because of any kind of trauma or any need to take care of anyone, but just because I didn't want to be a burden. Like, growing up, money was always... Money was always, like, a magic trick. It was like, it wasn't a real thing. It was never treated as something that you could do anything about. Like, it was either like, this month we're poor, or this month we're not poor. Not like, this month we earned enough money to be able to spend money. But it was just like, oh, money happened, or money didn't happen. And it always made money and the having of it and the not having of it feel like something that happened to you. Not something that could be taken charge of or something that could be like, like you just didn't have control over money. Money had control over you. Or money was just like this weird other dimension that sometimes you would phase into by accident and then phase out of just as quickly. I think that's also just the mindset of a pair of people who never made a whole lot of money in their entire lives is like, And who both grew up in households where, like, money was treated with an iron grip. And things were withheld because of money situations and things like that. And they both felt the pain and the strain of that. And so they didn't want to inflict that on their kids. So they went full tilt the other way. And they were just like, oh, well, instead of controlling money, we will be completely out of control of money. And... If we're blessed with money, we are, and we'll use it, and if we're not, we're not, and we'll pray, or we'll scratch something together, or whatever, but we'll always have each other. What's the best thing money has ever done for you? Probably 
paradoxically the fact that my parents spent way more than they had because it gave me a childhood I wouldn't trade for anything. It gave me a yearly family vacation that gave us all the chance to bond. It gave me every opportunity in the world. It gave me college that I shouldn't have been able to pay for. It gave me everything. Was it a horrible idea for them? Absolutely. But it served me very well. What's the worst thing that money has ever done for you? Probably that same answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Probably that same answer in the fact that I feel the way that I do now about money as a direct result of that. Is, Is money a magic trick now? See, this is a... This is a half yes, half no, because I now know that money is not a magic trick. How did you come to know that? Because you are a skilled, (laughs) skilled person. And beautiful. There's, yeah, there's other stuff. Attractive. Um, But, so I know from watching you handle our money that money is no magic trick. And through osmosis and a little bit of intentional learning, I have come to start treating money as though it's not a magic trick. But I have to do that by pushing through the mindset that I always have, which is like, why even think about money? Why even worry about money? It's not like you can control it here today, gone tomorrow. I don't think my parents ever gave me any money advice. Okay. And that's usually who you get advice from. I got a lot of advice from them in a lot of other ways. Money advice, no. Um, Did you get any money advice from anyone else in your whole life? I mean, I've gotten money advice from you, but not advice. More like commands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the difference between an advice piece and a command? There is no penalty for not taking someone's advice. <laughs> What are the penalties? They're emotional penalties. Like what? Well, I don't know because I never don't take your commands. (laughs) That's true. Is there implied emotional penalties? Well, because it's like if you gave me the command, hey, we're out of money this month. Don't spend any more money. And I spent more money. That would be very bad for our relationship. What would happen, do you think? Um, You wouldn't trust me anymore. And to a certain extent, I would feel great shame. (laughs) I'm not meaning to laugh at your shame. Uh, I just think about, you know, when you're ashamed, you're so cute. Okay, so here's, here's a thing that I feel like, not necessarily advice or command, but is the best, like, money lesson that I've learned from our life together, which is never live on this month's income. Like, you should all... That's a YNAV lesson. Shout out to You Need a Budget blog and software. Change in hashtag your life. Um, I, that, to me, really changed the way that I frame thinking about money, is that, like, the money I'm making this month, even when the paycheck is deposited, doesn't exist yet. It only exists next month. Like, you live on the money of the past, not the money of the present, and definitely not the money of the future. Yes. What uh, were you that was say? actually what I was gonna say is we would have this thing where you would get paid monthly as well when you worked in college. You were a daycare teacher, Mr. Adams. Mm-hmm. And uh you would get paid once a month and every time you would get paid you'd be like 
let's go out, like drinks on me, everyone let's go out, let's go out to an amazing date and drop all this money. And we weren't making that much, you're only working part-time for minimum wage. Oh my wage. gosh, yeah, I made like straight up minimum wage part-time. Yeah. And I was thinking, you're going to spend all this money in one night, but you need it to last the whole month. But you had that feeling of like, as soon as you get paid, you can't wait to spend it as opposed to... Like, when you get paid, I think you should budget the money until the next time you get paid so that, like, you know, tonight you can spend $50. Like, each week you can spend $50. Yeah. Or each week you can spend $100 or $1,000, depending on what you make, you know. Which is funny but that you, you bring that up. But you would just look at it and be like, money to spend. Let's spend it immediately. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because, like, I feel like hearing you say that makes me think about it. I feel like living then... I always felt like I was on the monetary back foot in the way that was like when I got paid, it was like, oh my gosh, I've been not spending money for so long because I didn't have any because, because I blew my paycheck. Exactly. So like I would go through, you know, like two or maybe even three weeks of like... Well, it's like fast and famine. Of like spend fasting. And then when I got paid, I would be like, I have earned this money. Or feast and famine. Fast feast and, and famine. famine. And it was... So it was like, I've earned this money and I've... Not only have I earned it, but I've earned the ability to spend it because the last three weeks I've been living so cheaply so I can spend this now somehow not realizing that the reason I had to live so cheaply for three weeks is because I was doing that spending that right pattern. now. Exactly. Interesting. Well, to me, it's like a diet, and, a, like, when you diet and you have a cheat day, your, like, paycheck would be your cheat day, but then the whole rest of the month you would go on a diet. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, oh, no, the paycheck came, like, cheat day! But then it was, like, this huge cheat day where you really gorged and gorged, and we... Ironically, we would spend most of our money on food and booze. Oh, yeah. And then you would have to, like, diet for the whole rest of the month. And, of course, when you starve yourself, you're, like, so ready to gorge again. Well, and it was funny like when because... when they go to have a challenge on Survivor, <laughs> and then they're like, you get to go to an all-you-can-eat barbecue, and, and people, like, eat vomit. so much and get so... Well, it's funny because a lot of the spending that I would do in those scenarios was on other people. Which oh, I think you is, love to spend money on other people. Which I think is, psycho like, subliminally how I made myself feel okay with my binge spending. It's because, like, oh, I didn't buy anything for myself. Like, I was using that money to bless other people. So <laughs> it, bless. So there's no way it could be bad because I was giving things to other oh, people. Oh, like, you mean, what do you mean by bad? Like, morally bad? Not morally bad, but there's, like, there's no way... There was, like, a thing in my mind where it was, like, spending money on other people can never be a bad idea. Because it's always kind. And being kind is always a good idea. Even if you're spending yourself to zero. Even if well, you're I mean, spending I've yourself to zero. I mean, I've seen you give, back in the day, like, your last $20 to a homeless person knowing you wouldn't get paid for two more weeks so you wouldn't have any money for two weeks. Yeah. Because... To, so you just smooch off of other people. Well, like because me. to me, like, again, like, money was some weird alternate dimension that, like, why try to control where it goes, how it gets there, at what speed it gets there, because, like, it's all just a magic trick anyway, so, like, if I give it to this person, maybe tomorrow I'll be blessed with $4,000. Maybe I'll die. <laughs> Who knows? Throw it everywhere. Like, it was all such a mystery. 
You say was. It's not a mystery anymore. It's not a mystery anymore in the sense that I know it's not a mystery anymore, but it still feels like a mystery. Okay, so what makes it still feel like a mystery? I think my own ignorance. I don't even want to learn about money. No, you avoid it. I avoid it like the plague. Yeah. When I say, read this book about money, read this blog about money, you like literally run away or like pretend to fall asleep. And I don't know why. And like I could make up a million reasons that make psychological sense like oh maybe i don't want to learn more about money than my parents know because that means that i've officially moved out of the ses that i was raised in and that gives me some sort of like psychological grief of being like separate from my parents and my upbringing but i don't think that even really i might just be lazy or i might just feel like you have it figured out so why do i need to have it figured out am i an enabler for you in terms of your money ignorance definitely but that's not your fault, it's mine. Yeah, well, I would rather me be in charge of it anyways, but I just I, want you to be woke and like... Know what's happening. And well, I, I want intellectually know, agree that that's a good idea. I want you to know so that there's never a big screw-up that comes back to me because, like, like someone's double-checking my work, you know? Like, I want someone to double-check my work. Yeah, like, you don't want it all It's to... your money. Literally, half of it is yours. Like, Do you see how much I'm I trust you? ruining all this stuff with it, then it's going to be like, wow, she really ruined everything, and no one was there to double-check. Yeah, and I, like, I can sit here and agree with that statement wholeheartedly. But for some reason, every time I look it's at, like... It's like a force field. Any piece of... Literally, it's like selective blindness like you give me books to read on finance and even just like easy stuff like personal finance whatever like personal finance for for literal idiots and i look at it and it's like i'm not even holding a book like i just see my hand (laughs) there like there's something that happens in my brain that any amount of information on money just evaporates before my very eyes i don't know why you got good at doing the budget Adhering to the budget. I got good at adhering to the budget. If you asked me to budget out our money, forget about it. If I gave you $20 right now, a crisp $20 bill, and told you you had to spend it within the next 24 hours, what would you spend it on? I guess I'm not allowed to ask follow-up questions, am I? I mean, it doesn't... It's not something... It's not like a test. It's just, what would you do? Honestly, I would probably find someone to give it to. Like, I think I would just, like, walk around, around my office until I found one of the many people who are usually standing out there asking for money and give them a $20 bill. Are those people in your office? No. Outside. Outside, Okay. Yeah. Walk around my office. <laughs> around, around <laughs> the like, outside. Wow, around I the mean... outside. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably find someone to give it to. Because, like, I always feel slightly morally conflicted any time I either do or do not give money to someone. But if this was just, like, literally money that appeared out of thin air, I could give that to someone I feel, like, totally guilt-free. Why do you feel guilty when you don't give money to someone? Because uh, that person needs it more than I do, definitely. And I have it. 
and therefore, like, I should give it to them. Like, there's no way in my mind that that math does at. There's no way in my mind that that math can add up to, you should hang on to that money. It is yours. It's always like, I have it. They need it more than me equals give them the money. But sometimes I don't do it, which is, I think, definitely purely out of my own selfishness. But also on the flip side, it's like, sometimes when I give money to people who are asking for it, I feel guilty because I feel like there's so much shaming that goes on around giving money to people who are panhandling and who may or may not be homeless. Like, I feel like for every one person you find that says, good job, you should have given them that money, you'll find 20 others who are like, you're being an enabler, or you're just feudling their drug habit, or thing after thing after thing. Feudling? Feudling. You are just feudling their drug habit. No, I know what you mean. It's extremely fraught, and I've also had experiences where people have, like, it's like really one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't situations. Mm -hmm. I always feel like it's one of those things where these are the excuses that are made by people who feel guilty for their own selfishness in not giving money away. So, Ooh, you're going to read them right now, aren't you? This, that, that is a separate podcast. Um, <laughs> We're not as good as them. No. Um, and so they create a situation in which they are the ones who are morally right for hanging on to their own money. And they try and like beat the charitability out of other people because if everyone is doing the same thing they are then of course they're doing it it's the right thing to do yeah well also i feel like people always say oh you shouldn't have given them the money you should have like taken them inside and like had them pick out something to buy but sometimes i just don't have time like i'm socially anxious so i am unsure how that interaction will proceed and it makes me feel uncomfortable also, I feel like that puts a weird, like, I need to police how you use this. Like, I'm not their parents. I'm not giving them an allowance. Yeah. You know? Like, they didn't ask... Let me chaperone you into the store, and then if you ask for, like, extra cheese on your Subway sub, I'm gonna be like, no, I don't have that much money. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I just, it's... Uh... I think it almost gives you more room to be judgy, because, like, what if they just buy five sodas? Like... Yeah. Like, oh, well, you parted with that money. Therefore, it is now theirs to spend however they want. Like Yeah, just like if someone gives if me money, there's ways I would feel guilt. Like, if they're like, here's this money. If it was my parents, I'd be like, oh, I should probably save it, but maybe I want to get a manicure. But if they were watching me, I'd be like, I'm putting it into the bank. Yeah. Like, just because you can't do the perfect thing doesn't mean you should do nothing. Yeah. I agree. That's something you taught me, though. It's like, it doesn't have to be the perfect... Tra- you don't have to save their life. Just give them whatever. The $1 bill or whatever. Yeah. Because, like, if every if everyone who walked by that person on the street thought, like, oh, I won't do the perfect thing. I'll just do the thing I can do. It probably would save their life. Or at least give them enough money to get on their feet. Like, if every single person who saw that homeless person and thought, I, like, can't do everything that I want to be able to do for them. So I will just walk away and hide my shame. If they like flipped that around and just gave what they had and walked on by, like that person could maybe rent an apartment. Lastly, what questions do you have about money? I feel like my questions about money are a lot more esoteric than they are. Like they're more questions about me than they are about money. Okay. Well, what are they? How do I stop being afraid of it? (laughs) 
But that's more a question about me than it is about money. Like, an economist couldn't fix that problem for me. Can economists fix problems? That's true. They just project. Which also sounds like a personal problem. Um, (laughs) Any other thoughts about money you want to share before I turn the recorder off and we end this this travesty first first voyage into podcasting podcast my podcast in summation money isn't weird people are that's it (laughs) okay cool Well, that concludes the very first episode of Don't Make It Weird, a podcast about money. If you listened all the way through to the end, thank you so much. And if you are my mom, hi mom, I love you very much. I'm going to post this podcast, I think, on SoundCloud and on iTunes. So uh, subscribe if you want more. And please leave comments and rate. I'm very curious to know what you think of this podcast who you would like me to talk to next, what kind of questions you would like me to ask, and just what you thought was interesting about this conversation. On that note, I'll leave you with this. There's only so much sleep you can get in a 15-passenger van. There's only so much togetherness you can have even with people that you like a lot. There's only so many times... (laughs) Hashtag deep thoughts. There's only so many times you can roll into a new city every week and still feel like it's a novel experience. That's some slam poetry right there, Adam. What can I say?